you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy 6, the last chapter um, on this amazing epistle. And like last week, we're just going to couple, cover a couple verses, right? We're coming to the end, and it's like, okay, we're in the last chapter, we're in the last chapter, but, you know, we're just kind of making our way slowly through as we look at uh, chapter 6. It's just... It's just tight. It's a, that's the way Paul is writing. We have to stop where he stops so you understand what he's saying. So chapter 6, verses 3 to 5, Paul says this. at the end of uh, verse 2. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and he understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. We'll stop there and we will pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you so much. Lord, as we come before your word, we just tremble. We tremble, Lord God, uh, and, and stand in awe of your majesty, of your holiness, of your righteousness, Lord God. And I just pray that you would be with each and every one of us this morning as this sermon is brought forth, that, that, Lord, you would cause us to keep our eyes fixed on Christ, that you would give us understanding, wisdom, conviction where we need to be convicted, Lord God. And, and just, Lord, please um, help us to continue to be transformed and sanctified by your Spirit and through your Word, that we may be faithful followers and good soldiers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen and amen. All right, as I... Um, read that some of you maybe even most of you are like okay i've we you've already covered this right already in chapter one and you've kind of touched on it in chapter two and it's almost like you know i've seen this movie before with this kind of sermon paul's preaching but what am i going to do this is this is what paul writes and we are going right through the scriptures and i love doing it and thankful for the opportunity because as paul's coming to the end of this letter he echoes what he spoke to at first, in, in the first chapter, in the very beginning. And he's talking about false teachers, and it's really important for us. And he just keeps pounding that and pounding that because, you know why, man? Because that trips us up so much of the time. We are so susceptible to false teaching, teaching that might just be a little bit off or way off. You know, we, we kind of get caught up in that. So we need to be constantly vigilant, man, and discerning, and what is that person teaching? Does it accord with Scripture? And if it doesn't, then I'm going to avoid that. So Paul tells us that, man, and we just need to do that. We need to learn that because we just have a tendency, right, to, to get tired, to, to get distracted, to, to get caught up in teachings that aren't biblical or like mostly biblical. But if they're not completely biblical, they're not biblical at all ultimately, right? So, so we don't want to do that. Listen, every New Testament letter has something to say, except for Philemon, I think, has something to say about false teachers. It's that important. It bears repeating. We need it. We need to be constantly reminded of that fact. Right? It's kind of like those self-correcting cars 
today, right? <laughs> We're driving. You get distracted. You start going over the yellow line and boom, like you're pulled back and buzzers go off and lights go off, right? If you get tired and you're just kind of tired and, and you, go, you go off, that wakes you up, right? That's what this is like. It just keeps on, it keeps on reminding us because we keep on going over the yellow line, man, and we need to be corrected. We need to be brought back and we need to be vigilant. It's huge. It's a, it's a really big part of the Christian life to be discerning, to know the truth. Why? So you can avoid falling into error. We don't want that. We want to know what he has actually taught us, right? And we want to live for him in that way. We don't want to get caught up in error. And it's, again, man, it's, it's easier than you think, especially if you have very persuasive people, especially if you're close to, to, to the pastor and to the leadership or to the people in the church. When they start going astray, it's hard to break away. You know that. There's a lot of pressure there. But you have to be vigilant. This is the foundation. It is his word. You need to know it so we can avoid error. And more than that, so you can refute error, man. Say, no, that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. So Paul commands. Again, this is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not something, you know, you might want to think about doing this. It's like, no, here's what you need to do, Timothy. You need to teach. You need to teach these things. You need to urge these things. So he's saying, I'm commanding you to teach and to parakaleo, to preach, to implore, to make sure that people know, don't get tired of doing this. That if anyone, and, th- and that's a cool statement. It's, that means that's a kind of a blanket statement. It's anyone, no matter who it is, man, no matter how, how, much, how popular they may be, how accepted they may be, how intelligent they may be, Anyone, any person. God is not a respecter of persons, man. That's why I tell you every week, whatever I preach, whatever I teach, whatever anybody preaches or teaches, any pastor, you have the obligation of following along in Scripture and making sure that we are being biblical. Do you understand that? You're not just taking in. You're taking in to learn, to grow, to discern, and to understand. It doesn't matter who it is, right? He goes on to say, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll stop right there. If anyone teaches a different doctrine, that word there in the Greek is actually otherwise. If anybody teaches otherwise, other than the truth, other what you've been taught by me and and through the scriptures, Paul's saying, you don't go there. That word in the Greek is actually heterodidaskalo. And you, you kind of, that sounds familiar. You would know like heterodoxy. That's the teaching. And that means that, that you are varying off the path. It's like the car going over the yellow line or over the white line. You're going off, right? That's heterodoxy. It's not, the, it's not where you need to be. It's not the actual truth. It varies from the actual teaching with his orthodox teaching. This is what the Bible actually teaches. That's orthodox. Heterodox strays from that. It's, it's, and this is why it's so important because this happens all the time. This is why we need to know. This is why we need to be able to discern because anything that contradicts, conflates, is contrary to, that adds to the word, that takes away from the word, redefines it, that distorts it, that twists it, that denies it, that spins it, whether it's intentional or unintentional, is heterodoxy. See all that, man? That's what's going on all the time. And that's what we're up against almost every day. 
So whoever you listen to, you need to do so in a discerning way to make sure because it's always going on. It's going on then, it's going on today, for sure, in our context, very much so. So even then, what was going on in Galatia, right? What was happening there that wasn't in accord? It was otherwise teaching. Yeah, you need to believe in Jesus. You need to have faith, plus you need to be circumcised. That's really going to make you a Christian, right? That's hetero. No, that's not. It's faith alone, by grace alone, in Jesus Christ alone. That's how we believe, man. In Corinth, what were they saying there? Oh, there's all kinds of things in Corinth. We could be here all day. But, but even when it comes to the resurrection of the body, people are saying, oh, no, there's no resurrection of the body. Paul said, are you kidding me or what? If there's no resurrection of the body, then there's no Christianity at all. We might as well just walk away because everything rests and hinges on the resurrection of Christ and that we will be resurrected as Christians, Right? So that's it. It's there all the time. In 2 Timothy, there, Paul addresses people that were teaching that their resurrection had already taken place. So it's just, it's always there. That's why it's important. That's why we do this. I don't want this to seem tedious. I don't want to make it sound like the same old thing, but it is important that we're reminded and that you're sharp and that you're aware and that you really want to be biblical in order to live faithfully for Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all we want to do. And that's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be in him. And that's why he warns us. Anybody that does this, that's not sound doctrine. That's not the actual teaching. It's something else. He goes on to say, it doesn't, and it doesn't agree with the sound words. And, and that word for sound in the Greek, it's like a health term. Like, you know, if like they look at your bones, oh, you're nice and sound. I'm, you know, I'm, right? You're, you're good. You're, everything's sound. You're, you're in good shape. It means wholesome. It means, it means healthy. It means solid, like well-nourished. And so, so, so uh, we're even told in, in, in Peter, 1 Peter 2, he says this, like newborn babes long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, that you may be sound, that you have that foundation, that you know what you believe and why you believe it, that you're serious about this stuff. It's not just a, you know, something that you do. It's who you are. This, this is where our life springs from, the way we think, the way why we do the things that we do, why we act the way that we do. Do you understand? This is everything for us. So correct doctrine is sound or wholesome. And they come from the words, he says, from uh, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. Again, that's really interesting too. Um, This is the foundation. Christ is the source, right? That's where the sound words come from. We can't deviate from that. These are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and his teaching. That's another way of saying the inspiration of scripture. So in Luke chapter 10, we're told, Jesus says this, the, ones who hear, hears, the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. See, that's, that's, those are the words of Christ as it were. That's sound teaching. That's the words that are in scripture. That's our foundation. Unsound doctrine, that's not healthy because it deviates, it distorts, it dilutes, it denies the words of Christ. In other words, it denies scripture. And we need to be aware of that in our day. It's, it's, it's here. It's among us now. It always is. So part of our discipline in being Christian Christians is being able to discern 
right? I'm not going to go down there. I'm going to avoid that because that's not what Jesus actually teaches. That's not what the word of God teaches. No matter how compelling it is, man, no matter how good it sounds to me, no matter how beneficial it may be to me, if it doesn't line up with scripture, I'm out of here, right? I'm gone. I'm not going to do this no matter what, no matter how long I've been here, no matter how much I've invested in this place, in this church, in these people, if they go off, I'm out of here, right? We stay for all kinds of reasons, these sentimental reasons, different, well, but we just love that. Oh, we love this program they have. If they're not sound in their teaching, you need to go. Capish? That's it. There's no, there's no negotiating with that. That's what Paul's saying. Man, this section that he's writing, It is so strong the way he's saying these things. It's very, very powerful. It's very convicting. And he gets really tough. He doesn't hold back because of, of what is at stake. He loves Timothy and he loves the church too much to just kind of coat, coat this over, right? So he's very, very somber and serious in this section. It's, it's, a, it's a heavy, heavy message. He says, unsound doctrine isn't healthy because it deviates. And it doesn't accord with godliness. What's that mean? It means it doesn't, the, it means the outworking of it. If you follow that teaching, you're not going to be living your life in a way that honors God, right? You're not going to be living in your life in a way that's obedient to him. You're not going to be shining forth that light of Christ. It's going to be something else. It's the outworking. That's the godliness, living to the glory of God. See, bad teaching, unsound doctrine changes the authentic, what authentic Christianity looks like, what it should look like. That's what it does. When you get bad teaching, you're going to have bad consequences. There's going to be the result. It's that simple. But we fail to, to recognize that, or we delude ourselves into thinking, no, no, that's not the case. Not here, not with me. It is every single time. We see it in so many ways. Where do you think the Christian cults have come from? When I say the Christian cults, what am I referring to? Give me two Christian cults real quick. Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, big ones, Christian science. I call them Christian cults because they started, they have their roots in Christianity. That's why. They deviate from the truth. They deny the truth. They twist the truth. And they gain a lot of followers because it appeals to them. So, you know, the founder of Jehovah's Witness, Charles Taze Russell, right here in Pittsburgh, I think on the north side, actually, he had a really hard time. He was a Presbyterian minister who had a hard time with the doctrine of hell. He didn't like that doctrine. It's not a cool doctrine, is it? You know, if you're not trusting in Christ, you spend eternity in hell. And the divine wrath and punishment of God. That's not, Russell didn't like that at all. So he denied that. He said, no, that can't be true. God is too loving to make that happen. People just fall asleep. It's called soul sleep. Or they're just simply annihilated. Wouldn't that be cool? You can live your life just the way you want it. All the rebellion you like in, in opposition to God. And then, okay, I just, poof, I'm gone. It's like nothing ever happened. Oh, no. And beyond that, and even just as serious, if not more seriously, he he took on the heresy that that, that Christ is not truly God, but the first and highest creation of God. But that's a Christian cult. He's deviating from the scriptures. That's unsound. It's unwholesome. It's not right. He's deviating doctrine, right? Deviates from sound doctrine. Um, Joseph Smith, the Mormons. Again, He's the one who said that he received special revelation, that God talked to him. God led him to the forest, led him into the woods, right? And, and, and he met up with Angel Moroni, or Angel Moroni, the Angel Moroni met him. This is 
It's a fairy tale. It's a story. But this is what passes for Christianity in some places. That he met with this angel. This angel gives him revelation from God, right? This, this revelation from God that only he understands, that only he could get. But this is what God had told him. And line, bottom line for the Mormons, what is it? Bottom line, if you're a good Mormon man, guess what? You too can become a god. You too could have thousands and thousands of wives. You too could populate your own planet. That's Mormonism in a little nutshell. That's the bottom line. Deviate from doctrine, right? Go away. That, that's pretty obvious to, to most of us. But so many, so many churches that look more like a church than we do because we're meeting in a hotel. But you can go to big church buildings, pretty church buildings, magnificent church buildings, and just be filled with lies that, that deviate from doctrine and truth. You know, most of our liberal churches today, progressive churches, if you think of PCUSA, most Methodist churches, most Lutheran churches, not all, but so many, use the same vocabulary that we do, and they'll say the same things. They'll talk about atonement, they'll talk about resurrection, but it's filled with different meaning. you understand that? Do you know that? Can you discern that? That's, that's what Paul is talking about here. So he said, it's a different doctrine. It's unwholesome. It's not sound, man. It's going to lead you down the path of, of perdition. It's, it's, you know, you're not going to show forth godliness, what, what God would have for us as his people. It's a distortion of the truth. It's a lie, right? So based on their doctrine, progressive liberal churches and progressive churches more and more, liberal churches, the doctrine of man, what they believe what the Bible teaches about man, what the Bible believes teaches about sin, for those churches, you know what godliness looks like? Godliness looks like love is love, right? Godliness looks like there's a flag, rainbow flag, out in front of our church, all are welcome, no matter, that's what godliness looks like to them. Does it look like that in scripture? Is that, no, no, obviously not, right? Love looks like full acceptance and affirmation despite what the scriptures plainly and very clearly teach in this regard, and yet. You understand? This is, what, this is what Paul is saying here, and this is why he says this. It appears loving, but it actually flies in the face of biblical teaching and not in accord with godliness. That's what Paul is teaching here. Teach these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, now he goes on to describe. This is a tough one, man. He goes on to describe the character of this kind of teacher and the devastating results, right? And I want you to know something. Paul doesn't hold back. He, I mean, if you read this in the Greek, he's not holding back at all. He's not pulling any punches. He's harsh. Why is he you know, so harsh? When you consider not only what they do as false teachers, what they're teaching you, man, it isn't right. It's not from God. They're representing Christ. They're representing God, and they're teaching you a lie, man. They're not teaching you what the Bible actually teaches. Think about that. What an insult to God whom they say that they serve, right? But even more than that, it actually, the teachings actually lead to damnation and not salvation. The whole reason we're up here preaching it is that you may be saved by the grace of God, that you might put your trust in Christ Jesus, believe on him, repent of your sins, and have a place with him for eternity. That's, that's it. And if you're not doing that, if that's not at the core, how can you call yourself a teacher of God? And yet, we see our churches. It's not about salvation to them. Now look, Paul uses very vivid, he uses very strong language 
um, and several characteristics. First of all, he says, you know what? You know what these teachers are? They might seem like nice guys. They might be very articulate, very intelligent. They could be really funny, really captivating, very persuasive. But you know what? If they're not teaching sound doctrine, if they're not teaching what the Bible actually teaches, they are puffed up with conceit. And you need to see through that, man. You can't just, don't buy in just to the personalities, to the power, to the half-truths that they tell, the lies that they slip, or the truth that they slip in while they're covered with lies. Please. Because these people are puffed up with conceit. And that whole phrase there, that's just one word in the Greek. You know, it's um, puffed up with conceit is one word. And it has the idea, connotes the idea of being inflated with self-importance. Do you know people like that? Do you know pastors like that, ministers like that? Very self-confident, very prideful, very arrogant, haughty, not open to correction. That's what that word connotes, that, that puffed up, you know, like it's like kind of like filled up with air and smoke. That's, that's You're just puffed up in that way. You think so much of yourself and your teaching. It means like going in a certain direction, not open to correction at all. Look, I got this. I know this. I am the authority here. I'm telling you. Never believe. Don't buy into that even though it may be cloaked in humility, sincerity, and even uh, concern. That's all very shallow, because once that comes off, watch out what's underneath, right? They're puffed up with conceit. It doesn't matter what God says, and here's what you need to teach. It doesn't matter what you believe or, you know, something's off. No, they'll, they'll be aloof. They'll be in charge. It'll be hard to get to them, inaccessible in many ways. That's puffed up with conceit. The irony is, Paul says this, He says, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing, yet he understands nothing at all. So here he is up there, blithering on and going on, high sounding, and yet he says that he actually understands nothing. For as much as he thinks he knows or as much as they think they know, the reality is because they're not teaching the actual truth, they don't know anything. He understands nothing. Get that? This is a picture of that. That's what Paul's saying. Yeah, he might be powerful, have an air of authority, but under that, he's arrogant and he is dangerous to us. Look how dangerous it is. This is the kind of person he is. He goes on to describe this. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy. Not that there won't be controversy. Obviously, there's going to be controversy if you're a Christian. You're dealing with certain things, and there's a way to do that. But this is an unhealthy controversy. This is a person that kind of looks for something to be... um, fighting about in a way or, or having controversy over, stirring up controversy. The, the actual meaning means is he's obsessed with controversy all the time. And there are some people like that. This, everything you talk about, no, 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 here's what it really is. Here's what I'm going to do. And it's always contrary. It's always something that needs to be brought forth in, in that way. You know what? That's just the, just, just know this. That's the opposite of the spirit of the true pastor, of a true Christian who loves Jesus Christ and loves his people. You know what the true demeanor of, of, of that kind of pastor that follows Christ is? That's in 2 Timothy 2.24. He says, look this. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. That's our spirit. That's, that's the kind of person who leads the, the sheep of Christ. When it's this, when it's controversy, 
That's just a way of asserting their authority. You know when people are controversial and they're, and they're, they're, they're asserting their authority, their intelligence over you. They're intimidating you. You're not going to get a word in here. I am the expert. I know what I'm talking. No, 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 no. That word means this. Here's what this is. And you need to listen to me because I am the authority. You understand? That's, they love that. Challenge, changing opinions, challenging conceptions. And again, so many are very articulate, very convincing, cunning. And you know that something's wrong, but you just can't put your finger on it, right? Now that's, hmm, something's just not right about that, but he sounds so good, and it sounds so right. Yeah, that, no, no, we don't go there. That's, that's what Paul's saying, because this, this is what they, they don't really care about you. They don't really care about Christ. They don't really care about the truth. That's the bottom line. Quarrels about words. What's that like? What's, what's happening even today? This, this fits right in our context this day. Quarreling about words. That means redefining words, redefining their meanings, redefining implications of certain words. Let's think about that. Think about justice, racism, privilege, pro-life, love thy neighbor. And I'm talking in the church. I'm not talking outside of the church. I'm talking within the evangelical church today, right now. This stuff that Paul's addressing 2,000 years ago is going on right now, today. And you need to be aware of that. And you need to be able to discern that. And you need to be able to stand up to it because there's, there's a little bit of truth in a lot of those lies, right? And that's what we need to discern and understand. Because they're convincing people that these mean something other than what they actually mean, and that's the trick. If they can get you to believe something that's not actually true, using the same language, then they pretty much have you, and you're going to buy in. And that's destructive. And that's what Paul says. They love to quarrel about words. So from progressive Christians to CRT practitioners, they've made inroads into the church, and you need to know that, and you need to be aware of that. This isn't like a sermon on CRT or LGBTQ, but those things check all the boxes right now, so they do serve as really good illustrations and examples of what Paul was talking about 2,000 years ago. Because it's deliberate. These men just aren't ignorant. They're not simply mistaking. There are people that buy in that are kind of useful and and are ignorant of it and then say, oh, that makes so much sense to me. But those at the top know exactly what they're doing, so don't be fooled by these teachers that you think are for you and are for Christ because they are not, including pastors. And in our day, those are the two big areas, especially with LGBTQ and CRT, that fit right into this. But this simply refutes that right right on the face of it, right? You have to understand there's nothing new. Paul's warning here 2,000 years ago, all that happens are different manifestations of age-old deception that's been going on and on since this time. So don't be fooled. Look at the devastating results. And this is how you can tell that false teaching, man. This is how you can tell that they're puffed up, that they're arrogant, that they're not really for Jesus Christ and they're not really for you, no matter how sweet, how kind, how smart they may be. What's it lead to? These are devastating results. What, what, what do these produce? What's the fruit says this, he has an unhealthy craving for controversy, for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. That's what it leads to, man. That's what happens in our churches. Again, different manifestations through different times, 
but this is the source. This is the core. In our day and age, especially, we have a, like CRT checks all the boxes right here. That critical race theory that's coming in from the world into the church. Many churches are buying in. Many churches are experiencing these very results because of it. Okay? That's why we say here, oh, that, that's a cute idea. No, 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 no. Paul says not for one minute, not for one moment will we tolerate that because we know where that can lead and where it often does lead. This is a warning. This is, this is why Scripture's transcendent. This is why Scripture's timeless. This is why it applies to every age. It's not just this old book that doesn't apply to us now. It applies all the time, every time. And in our context, this is a big way. So let's think about this. Envy. What is envy? That's displeasure at real or perceived good or advantages that others may have, right? So you see something, somebody has something that you don't, and you kind of want that. I mean, you can talk about covetousness, being jealous, but that envy is really at the core of it. Man, you have that, and I want that, and you really, in some way, you don't deserve that. And I kind of, that's, I just, oh, man, I'm so envious of that. I'm so envious of you because you have something, whether it's real or perceived, that I'd love to have. So, so envy is what's produced from this. So when we think about CRT and envy, that it promotes that. Now, it might be disguised in words like justice. Well, we want justice or we want equity in, in here, right? When they get down the line a little bit, that, that envy comes, comes through a little bit more in such terms as whiteness or white privilege, right? So, so that's kind of the like, trigger for envying. And it's, and it's here like, you know, you've had advantages for so long, and you've had it so good for so long. Now it's 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 not your it's not your it's 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 your time to pay for for that. Is that wholesome? Is that healthy? Does that bring unity in the church and forgiveness and love and Christ and oneness? No. When you have false teachers, when they stray from sound doctrine, when they're not teaching what they ought to be teaching, that teacher's puffed up. Because you're doing it apart from Christ in your own strength. We're nothing but mouthpieces for the Lord. We're his servants. That's all. We just bring his news to you. You deal with it. We don't have the right or the privilege to change his teaching or his word to please you or to gain anything for ourselves. You understand? That's not the preacher's job. So when you don't teach it straight, this is what happens. You have that envy and strife where there should be unity and love. I should be happy. The more successful you are, I should be happy for you and thankful that God has given that to you. Praise God and be content with what I have in Christ Jesus. But this kind of stuff, and again, it's not just CRT. It could be any kind of false teaching, but, but it, this is just so plainly. You can see it so plainly because it's happening right now, what are happening in different churches among people, and there's envy at the root of that. Right? Also leads to dissension. Dissension, that just means strife, contention. You know, that uneasy, uncomfortable feeling, that tension, you know, when you walk into church. Now, two years ago, you weren't teaching this. You were teaching actually what the, what the Bible actually teaches. Now you're telling me, what? What's going on? Okay. Now, some people buy in, others don't. You're not really allowed to question, but if you do, guess what? You're going to be put on the outside. I'm not teasing you. I can give you real-life examples. I can give you real-life examples in this church of people that have come out of churches like that because of this. It gets right back to what Paul's saying in Scripture. Understand? Dissensions. Strife and contention. Where there wasn't. Where there's no need. Sometimes there is contention, man. Sometimes when you're standing up for Scripture and, and you're fighting against sin, yeah. But when that's turned around, 
when, when that strife and contention is um, emanating from the pulpit on out, that's a different story. Dissension, slander. Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, if you don't go in, if you don't buy in, guess what? You're going to be labeled. You are going to be labeled. There's going to be ad hominem or personal attacks on your character. You're going to be accused of upsetting families and church simply by expressing your concern with what's going on. Check it. It happens. It's happening right now to, to, to so many. Somehow you're subversive. And you are called names. Anything from just being ignorant and not knowing to being shallow to being a white supremacist in the church to being racist in the church. Okay? That, see, again, I'm not, I'm just saying CRT checks the boxes. That's not the only thing. All false teaching does. But we could see it very plainly. And this is what Paul speaking absolutely out against, no matter the subtleties. It's very personal. He goes on to say, um, slander, evil suspicions. Evil suspicions, that word means basically the idea is if you don't buy in, then you must be whatever. So if you don't buy in, if you don't believe this, how can you believe this? You must be racist then if you don't believe that you're not a white supremacist, (laughs) right? If you don't have privilege, then you must be. So you don't buy in. And I'm not talking about the world again. I said that. I'm not talking what goes on out there. I'm talking what's happening right now in many churches. Too far too many. Paul is just speaking, right? This is, you know it's bad when these are results, when these are happening. These aren't good things to happen in the church. Paul's saying this is, this is the fruit of bad teaching. This is the fruit of teaching when you take your eyes off of Christ, right? You're assigned bad motives. Maybe you've never liked people that were not just like you. Some churches even bring members under discipline for this. The net effect is this. Number five, he says, he says this. Um, verse five, envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Okay, the net effect So when you add all these things up, what he talks about is friction, constant friction. And that's what's happening in in so many churches. It happened when the liberals moved in in the 1920s and 30s. This is what happened in the churches. Same kind of thing, different context, but it was the same idea. If you didn't go along with it, how can't you believe, how could you believe in miracles? Are you silly? Are you stupid? Are you dumb? Science tells us no miracles happen today. That little boy with the feeding of 5,000, he shared his lunch. That motivated everybody else to share their lunch. How could you believe that a miracle really took place? Silly about that? See, it just, it's just a different manifestation. So, so, so when we get to where we are today, the net effect is it's going to be friction, constant friction, and that rubbing up against and that harshness, which leads to, to, to wearing out, to being tired, and it ends up broken. It ends up being fractured. And that's exactly what happens in so many churches. It's simple. It's simple. When you stop following what the Word actually teaches, you're going to end up in a place that's contrary to, to the word itself. That's it. Right? So, so we find ourselves there even today in this situation. Where are we going to land? 
Oh, just a little bit's good. Oh, there's some truth there. A tiny bit at times, but it almost has to be in a biblical context, right? But you could see even from a couple years ago, especially with LGBTQ, especially with CRT, where, where we are now, it's just wide open. So you go to the bookstore, go to the bookstore. You know my office, Barnes & Noble, Christian book section. Check these books out. Can you turn the lights off real quick? Okay. This is in the Christian section, not just in the general section. White lies. Nine ways to expose and resist the racial system that divide us in the church. Raising white kids. Okay, just imagine this. Let's turn that around. Black lies. Raising black kids. What? Would that go over real well? No. That, that, that is right. But that's what's coming in the church. That's what you need to know. That's a result of what Paul's saying here. Right? And that's what needs to be fixed. That's a gospel issue. That's going to fulfill you as, as a Christian, that you realize that you're racist and that you continually repent of that. Right? You continually do what others would have you do. And you make sure, like even you're segregated because now we need safe spaces or we have uh, just all black conferences. Forget it. If you're a white Christian, you can't go to that because, you know, you just don't get it. What? Are you kidding me? But that's where we find ourselves today. And people are buying in. No. Paul says no. So we have other titles. Color of Compromise, uh, Truth for American Churches, Complicity in Racism, how to fight against racism, courageous Christianity, and the journey towards racial justice. See, they're conflating. They're conflating a worldly idea and bringing it into the church and the church idea. It's not Christianity. This is exactly what Paul's talking about. This is exactly the results that we have when we go down this path. Do you understand? And I'm just using this as a, as a huge illustration because it's hugely upon us right now. If we live in another time, it could be anything else or, or something else like the liberalism, like progressivism. But this is where we find ourselves. That's why we come back to the word, because this is the result of that kind of teaching. And you need to know that. And you need to be aware of that. And you need to discern that. And you need to say, no, no. Here's what scripture teaches. And we're standing on the word of God. And we will not be complicit to that racism, to that sinful teaching that you bring into the church. No more. We should have done it with liberalism. We should do it every time that we don't do it. So we end up splitting up in that way instead of fighting for and preserving the truth of the gospel and of God. That's it. That's it, man. That's what Paul is saying. When you're like this, this is what's going to happen. It's an unhealthy craving which produces these things, and it's from people that are deprived in mind and deprived of the truth. When he says deprived in mind, it's thinking corruptly. So when you have leaders, again, it's those in the lead, they know what they're doing. Don't be fooled because at first they're going to use language. It doesn't matter whether it's the liberalism movement, movements today. They start off really slow. Oh, just a little bit. We just want to use it as a tool here. Just kind of see the idea there. And once, you, once that happens, once you open that door, then the floodgates open. Now, look where we're at in all those places. It's just out there. It's just open. Right? They're deprived in mind. That means spoiled. That means unhealthy. They're driven by something other than God's truth. You need to be driven by God's truth. That's it. We are driven by God's truth. That is it. These men are driven by something other than that. And then it says that. They're deprived of the truth. In other words, they no longer have regard for it. 
or they think, think very little of the truth. That's why Paul was so harsh. Because you call yourself a minister and a pastor and you're leading people and you have such little regard for the truth of God. How dare you? Who are you? What, what do you think you are to do that? You've been entrusted. You've been given this calling and this gift to bring forth the truth of God and you have the audacity to turn that, to twist that, to change that. That's why Paul's like that. That's why he's so hard. I mean, what an insult to, to, to the name of God. They think so little of the truth. They bring the worldly ideas and conflate them with that which is in Scripture. That just dilutes Scripture. That's, not, that's one of the heterodoxy. That dilutes the word, Right? There might be an element of truth initially, but eventually the lie is presented as truth and replaces it. And if you don't buy in, you are out. You understand? And we have living proof of that in our church here. That's why some of these people you see in the back, they've come out of churches where this has taken place. They wouldn't be here. And I'm thankful that you, that you folks are here and pray that we're faithful to the Lord. But it's a shame that you have to leave your church that at one time preached it true. And that means whether coming out of a liberal church, church that's been infected with LGBTQ teaching, CRT. No. Paul speaks against that. He says this, imagining, and here's the thing, imagining, and we'll finish with this, uh, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, what's that mean? It doesn't mean, godliness is a means of gain. Like, if we're godly, if we're trusting Christ, yes, we're being sanctified. You're going to see good things, fruit of the Spirit. That's true. But here, in the, in, the, in the meaning of this, and what Paul means this, is that these deprived people see godliness or acting godly as a means of gain for themselves. So, if I put on the show, a lot of times there's, there's financial motives at, at, at the bottom of this when people act godly in order to make money. But it could be for other things as well, a different agenda. It could be for um, gain, gain, to gain a foothold, right? Imagining by using the cloak of Christianity, that's what he's saying here, that they're going to gain something, that they're going to get a foothold, that, that their, their ideas are going to catch, catch on. And you know what? The truth is oftentimes they do. Look at the Christian cults. Look about what we've been talking about this morning. But that will not last. It cannot last. The truth will prevail. That's why we persevere with the truth and in the truth. You know the Mormons right now? They're imploding. They're just imploding. You might not know this. You know, back in the day, the 70s, 80s, 90s, they were strong, united, knew what they believed. There's still some true believers, but so much. If you look into Mormonism, it's just imploding. There's CRT involved there, LGBTQ, living. They're, they're not the Mormons that you knew if you're a little bit older. JWs are going down, especially in this country. Just don't have that. that it, it can't last. It won't because it's not true. Liberal churches, you go to those liberal churches. I don't know how so many are still open. There's six or seven people in those churches, some of these churches. And yet, you know, they're, they're still going and preaching not what the Bible actually teaches. So um, even CRT, and many churches are beginning to catch on. Many churches are beginning to not go woke, but wake up. Amen. Praise God. And that's what we pray for because his truth will prevail. Because you can't do this. And in the end, be pleasing to God. And in the end, be glorifying God. And in the end, be successful in terms of what it means to be a church that follows Jesus Christ. Now, we pray that we would stay that way. This isn't a haughty message. I'm scared every day because we're just like this far away every moment from falling into sin. So I'm not up here preaching saying, oh, look at us. We're the good ones. No, man. We, we're By the grace of God, we persevere. Because that 
Paul's saying here, every day, all the time, we're swerving towards that yellow line, man. We're swerving towards that white line, right? We need to be pulled back by the word and by his spirit to stay on track. It's not us. It's he who keeps us faithful. And we pray that we would continue to do that because there are a lot of temptations. There's a lot of different ways to go. But we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ because he's the one who died to make us one. He's the one who shed the blood so there is no Jew, no Greek, no slave, no male, no female, that we are one in Jesus Christ. He's the one who died, who broke down the barriers, who broke down the walls between sinful man and holy God and then reconciling sinful man with sinful man who has been reconciled in Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your background. What matters is that you're in Jesus Christ and we are one in him. And we are loved with that same love, that same intensity of love, that same blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And that's why we celebrate the table of the Lord, to remember that, to understand that, and to, and to be reminded how we're reconciled to God and how we're reconciled to one another. Let's pray.